You're listening to the Running Around Charlotte podcast, presented by the Milbon Health Charlotte Marathon. One day, five events, and a race day distance for every goal and pace. Find out more or register at runcharlotte.com. This week's episode is brought to you by Pinnacle Financial Partners and Bedgear, the official pillow partner of the Novant Health Charlotte Marathon. And here are your hosts for the Running Around Charlotte podcast, Tim Rhodes and DC Lucchese. All right, it was great to be back. We're talking, of course, about the Novant Health Charlotte Marathon, and after a year of running virtually because of that dumb COVID thing, it was really nice to be back under the sunshine and crisp fall air of the Carolinas at our in-person race. We had a great turnout for the marathon, half marathon, 5K relay, and we had a new winner, too. Adam Jones crossed the finish line in two hours, 23 minutes, 50 seconds, and we bet we're going to hear his name a lot more now. It was his first marathon, by the way, and he was um, a short, shorter distance runner, uh, both at San, Sam Ford University in Birmingham and at Iowa. He joins us here on the Running Around Charlotte podcast to let us get to know him a little bit better. Adam Jones, welcome. How you doing? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for letting me come on. And uh, yeah, doing well. Very trying good. to trying to still recover a little bit from the marathon. <laughs> Are you still recovering? DC Lucchese, how you doing, my friend? Man, I'm all good, guys. I'm good. all good. Yeah, so Adam, you you are kind of a charlatan by transplant. Uh, you've been here for a couple years now, right? Three years, three and a half years, something like that, two and a half years. How do you like it? Yeah, it's coming up on three years um, in April, I think. And so, yeah, I, I love it so far. I mean, I've I've moved kind of all around. Running's taken me a lot of you know cool places and a lot of different locations. And, um, you know, this is kind of the one place I think I've moved that I, I really enjoyed. And, and I could definitely see myself kind of sticking around, whether it's here or whether these one of these small little cities around Charlotte. But I, I really love it so far. Yeah. Well, good. We're we're glad you're here. We gl- we're glad you uh, got a chance to run first marathon. I mean, that's kind of incredible to go out not not knowing what to expect, not knowing how to pace yourself, and you you even ran a negative split. For those that don't know what that means, negative split is the second half of the race you run faster than the first half. And if anyone of any of you have run marathons, you know just absolutely how difficult that is because you kind of hit the wall at that. 16 to 18 mile mark but negative split your first marathon tell us about it yeah it it was something that i think um i think the ignorance factor played into it a little bit you know i didn't really know what pace exactly i could hold or whatnot and so i was kind of basing it around the guys Mm -hmm. that i was running with um you know i told myself to just kind of stick with whoever was in the lead for the first 10 12 miles and kind of feel it out at that point um yeah being kind of a shorter distance runner and racer i'd I knew that it was going to be a lot different when you do hit that 18, 20 mile mark. Um, and so something that I had heard from a few friends of mine that have been trained for marathon is if you feel like the first half of the race, you're going too slow, then you're probably going the right pace. Yep. Um, so, <laughs> so I, I, I took that to heart and, you know, I, I felt like I was like, okay, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. But I just kind of held it at the first, the first half and try to get through as comfortably mm-hmm. as I could. Um, and then I started feeling good around 12 and that's kind of when I picked it up. But, um, yeah, I was kind of, I was scared a little bit the entire time because everyone talks about like hitting the wall at some point. And I was like, well, I know it's coming. I just don't know when. <laughs> did, did, <laughs> well, did, and the back half of this course is one that, you know, can surely provide that. So <laughs> Yeah. So did, did you ever so have what was that, that feeling back half like for you? Um, 
I never had the feeling that made me drop my pace. I would say um, I started getting a little like spacey and a little lightheaded probably with four miles to go. Um, you know, the first half of the race, since it was comfortably comfortable, I was able to kind of wave to people and talk to, you know, the kids that had fun signs on the side and, you know, say like, oh, I love your sign, everything like that. But I think the last, you know, 10 miles or last eight miles, like I just kind of had to stick myself and just kind of focus. Um, Tim, like I know you made a you made a couple of comments to me when you're on the bike next to me in the last couple of miles, I just couldn't say anything back. So yeah. <laughs> I was like, I just got to focus on my own race and can't make any extra movements here. Yeah. Go ahead, DC. You had a question about the back yeah, well, Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, and, it, you know, Charlotte does provide some, uh, you know, some interesting challenges with the back half of that. And I know that, you know, you're, you are not the first person to, you know, run their first marathon, race it and do well. And, you know, to the, to the unchurched, as it were, that, you know, that's not like, you know, me and Tim hopping into our first marathon and crushing it. Yeah. You've got some chops, man. So, so tell us a little bit about your running history, how you got started, how you ended up in Birmingham and how you ended up in Iowa and how the heck you ended up here. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's definitely a unique story. Um, so I ran actually my, where I grew up, it's actually on the border of Alabama and Georgia. So I live in Alabama, but I went to high school in Georgia. And so for recruiting purposes, it made it a little difficult because Georgia schools saw that I lived in Alabama, so I wasn't in-state, and Alabama state schools saw that I competed in Georgia, and so there was a little mm -hmm. divide there, and so it was kind of hard for me to kind of find a school. Um, I, I had opportunities to get a full ride at some kind of smaller, like Division two schools, stuff like that, um, mm -hmm. but I, I just didn't really feel led to kind of go to one of those schools, and just something was kind of pulling me to Sanford. Um, you know, it's kind of a smaller division one school. It's also um, like a religious affiliated school, which is something that kind of appealed to me at that point. And so, um, yeah, I just kind of decided to to go to that school basically as like a glorified walk on. They didn't have any any money to give me that year. And so I, I told them I would basically go if, you know, I could basically be there, their recruit for the following year. So I was kind of there like a recruit, but my sophomore year, my second year, I was right. kind of recruit there. Mm -hmm. um, I loved it. It was a smaller school, um, but Sanford was kind of a stepping stone school for a lot of other coaches. So being like a smaller division one school, kind of what that means is you have coaches that kind of get their first gig at that, this school, um, you know, the kind of their first head coaching job. Yeah. They have success with kids like myself or a few other you know athletes as well. And then after that, they get a bigger job, you know, so they can kind of come to Sanford, use that as an opportunity to go to you know, bigger universities after that. So um, with that being said, there are a lot of coaching changes kind of in, in my career. Um, the last couple of years, there, there were a few different coaches. And so um, I, it makes it really difficult for anyone that's been an endurance athlete in the past. You know, some coaches could tell you to run 90 miles a week and the next coach tell you to run 40 miles a week. And it takes your body just a long time to kind of sure, yeah. and get used to that. Um, and so with that being said, my fourth year, um, uh, there's a coach that I just didn't really mesh super well with. I feel like that was the first time I was really hurt and injured. And I was just really frustrated with the sport at that point. And so um, I knew that I didn't really want to stay for my fifth year um, underneath this kind of coaching um, just because mm -hmm. it just didn't really mesh well with myself. And so um, I was kind of looking for other opportunities and, and I reached out to several different schools and, you know, for me transferring for a fifth year, the, the biggest thing is just find a coach that just works well with you. Um, mm -hmm. So I had connections to the coach at the university of Iowa. Um, a lot of people I knew that I really trusted, they trusted him. And so it just kind of worked well where it was kind of a good, good mesh and um, collaboration there. So I went up to Iowa 
I lived there all summer to kind of get used to a new state, new school, all that type of stuff. Um, and then 12 days before school started, he actually left for Tennessee. Um, <laughs> oh, man. man. <laughs> so I was kind of left out of school and, you know, I could have retransferred at that point, but mm. I was already up in Iowa. And so I was kind of left at a new school with not the coach that I transferred for. Yeah. Um, and they brought in a great coach and, and he was good and everything, but it just it just wasn't exactly the coach that I think I needed. Um, so all that to say is I feel like the last couple of years of my college career was um, it fluctuated so much just with all these different coaching changes. You know, I had four coaches in five years. So it was just oh my gosh, of, wow. a lot of movements and, and moving pieces and everything. Um, so I I knew that there was still more left in the tank and, you know, being mm -hmm. a little frustrated with um, my college career not ending as well as I wanted it to. Um, I wanted to give it a couple of years shot. Um, what I tell people all the time is I was kind of that, that second tier in college. So like my goal was always to make it to the national championship. Once I made mm -hmm. it to the national championship, like all these really fast guys, they would just dust me at the actual meet. But you know, like, I was that guy that can make it, you know, think of like the basketball teams trying to make the around the 64, you know, like I wasn't trying right. to before I was just trying to make it to the, to the tournament. Um, right. So, I was kind of that guy, but you know, you're so close at that point. You're like, I, I want to still give it a shot. You know, I want to still give oh, it yeah. to me, um, like G league and basketball, you know, or minor leagues and baseball. You're like, you're so yeah. close, you know? And so, um, so I moved to Winston-Salem for two years. I had connections to two guys that lived there. Um, they were just kind of doing it on their own and I knew them. They're really fast and they're great people. And so I moved there for two years, uh, trained with them. Um, I really love them. I mean, they're, they're some of my best friends still to this day, but um, it is tough leaving kind of that team aspect and team mentality to now just going and doing it by yourself with like one other person. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just two people showing up at a park or at a you know, parking lot every single day, just trying to grind and do it yourself. And so I, I feel like I, you know, from college to now this, that, that was a big transition. Um, and so after a couple of years, I was like, I feel like I kind of just need that team aspect again that team mentality again so um i had connections down to to the assistant coach at the time at queens university here um reached out to them i knew they had a lot of great foreign at, uh, athletes and some of them yeah. were grad students and grad assistants and so i asked i was like hey if i moved down here could i could i train with you guys and could i you know kind of have that team again um and they said yeah and so uh the rest is kind of history but yeah so that kind of brought me down here um i trained i was still trying to run track events um, I trained pretty much from April to April and then COVID hit so I never got to actually race that year oh man I remember that we were working at the store together and yeah. you were getting ready to go to the track meet and they canceled it and you said yeah. man I, I've just kind of hit the triple whammy you know I, I yeah. the track meet and there were some other things going on in your life that just kind of didn't work out at the t same time and you were moping around for a couple of days, a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there was stuff like I was trying to put on like a big event here in the store, you That's know, right. kick that. And yeah, life stuff happened. And then yeah. um, you know, the reason why I moved here was kind of shut down that year. And, mm -hmm. um, and then Queens wasn't actually in school that following fall. So like, I didn't have anyone to run with kind of that following fall either. So um yeah it's, it's definitely been an interesting transition and you know covid with everyone covid's kind of wrecked a lot of things but um, all right totally you know it, it kind of changed my perspective a little bit of you know i moved here to try and compete on the track and that just hasn't really worked out but um i guess the marathon did well, well let's <laughs> yeah, let's and, bring this full circle now you had 
you told me you had some extra motivation uh, to to enter the race and to run it. If you care to share that, I'd I'd, I'd be interested in hearing that again. Yeah, so I, I kind of wanted to, to check off a marathon on my bucket list. Um, and so I was thinking about doing one this fall anyways, um, just wasn't exactly kind of sure, but there is, um, there's a family that I'm really close to and I've been really close to for the last year and a half. And, um, since I've known them, um, the dad, um, had cancer, he had a really rare form of cancer, it was sarcoma cancer, which, um, uh, you know, I only know limited amounts about it, but it's, it's something where it's a very, very small amount percentage of people have it. Um, there's not even a lot of like studies or research even behind it. And so, um, you know, over the last year and a half, I've kind of seen how much it's affected his family, um, and how much it's affected him and kind of seen, you know, his body kind of decay a little bit over time. Um, and so I, I, did reach out to Tim because he actually, um, he passed away about a week and a half prior to the race or a week prior to the race. And, and, you know, the one thing I, I knew about him, um, is that everything he did, he did with 110%, um, every single thing he did. Um, and he was a very competitive person and, you know, with work, I, I heard stories of how, you know, he was trying to kind of grind in his work setting and uh, he, he worked at Wells Fargo and there'd be nights where he would even go home, like his wife would bring him clothes and he would just sleep over the night and just kind of keep working and working and um, just that oh, kind man. of, so, so he knew that I was training for a marathon and, you know, being an athletic competitive guy, like the last thing he would have wanted me to do is not, not run a race this fall. And so, um, so I did kind of ask him if I could kind of sign up last minute um, to run kind of in honor of him, his, his memorial service was actually that afternoon after the race. Um, so it was kind oh, of, man. it was kind of a, a day full of a lot of emotions, <laughs> you know, yeah, man. to run in honor of him and, yeah. um, then have to follow that up with, you know, being there for his family and, and trying to support them the best I can. Um, there are definitely points in the race. Um, cause I had, I told their family, um, I actually wrote them an, a letter, um, for them to read while I was, while I was running and basically saying that, like, I, I want to run this for their dad. Um, and I want to run it as hard as I possibly can for him. Um, and so there are definitely points in the race where I was like, okay, camp, I, I need you, buddy. It, it's hurting right now. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's so awesome. Now, um, you and I talked, um, and, and you asked me about the course record, which is really an event record. Because uh, there have been so many different iterations of the course, but I said, you know, probably, you know, in in early on, there were some Ethiopians that came in and ran, and they, you know, they ran probably low two twenties. I don't know, so I, you know, I don't, th- I don't think you got it. You know, the Ethiopians are are pretty tough to compete with, and so I was doing a little bit of research. I found some results, and I'm kind of paging through, and. Um, they actually came to run in 2006. I'm not sure what motivated them to come and run. We, I don't think we had a prize purse back then. But anyway, um, the winner, uh, Burhan Waku, ran uh, 224.20, and your time was 223.50. So I'm thinking, wow, that, you know, let me thumb through the rest of these. And so just kind of a brief review of the results. I didn't see anybody that ever ran anything faster than that. In fact, a lot of the winning times were in the two thirties. And so yeah. pending kind of a second source to back it up and just make sure that Athlinks isn't missing some timing information. You have a course record or an event record okay. too. Yeah. And, and coincidentally, it's not that far off the, the, um, 
Olympic trials qualifying time. Um, yep. and, and it's your first marathon. So I have to ask you, like, has this given you <laughs> some new aspirations kind of reignited that fire in your belly to, all right, well, if, if I, if I can't compete on the track in the mile or the 1500, uh, maybe, maybe this marathon thing is something I could pursue and qualify for the trials is, is, has that crossed your mind? I know it has, cause I've said it to you, yeah. but what, what do you think? <laughs> I, you know, three years, three, three weeks removed now that your muscles aren't so sore. Right. Yeah. What he's, what he's asking Adam is now that you were old and slow, like us, yeah. will you be pursuing long yeah. distance as a passion and is the Olympic trials on your radar? There you yeah, go. For sure. Yeah. So, uh, Tim, I remember in the race, I just fat passed the, uh, the halfway mark, the, the half point. And, um, yeah. I came through in like 73, 40 or something like that. And I asked you, I was like, what's the course record? And you're like, uh, Kenyans came back in the day. So it's fast. And I was like, okay, okay. Challenge accepted. <laughs> um, yeah. So that, that's crazy. I mean, I, I was wondering kind of what, yeah. what we ran. Um, so that, that would be neat if I was able to get the event record, but, um, yeah, so that's a great question. Uh, you know, going into the race, I thought I could run around yeah. 230 ish, um, or low two thirties, um, just depending on how hilly Charlotte was. And so, you know, kind mm -hmm. of my, my goal was around that. And so that's at that point was 11 to 12 minutes off kind of what the Olympic trials time was. Um, yeah. and if you're 11 or 12 minutes off, you know, it's far enough away to where you're like, okay, this is probably never going to happen. <laughs> um, but running 223, when I did finish, I was like, oh shoot, like I'm actually just a couple minutes away. And so, yeah. um, so I was actually just planning on being one and done, um, with the marathon, just kind of checking off the bucket list, running a decent time. But now that I am close enough, um, I do kind of want to give it one good shot at it. And so actually a week and a half ago, um, I signed up for Chicago this next year. Oh, wow. So there you go. That's a good one. That I, I just, I literally one. just read uh, this week about the changing of the times for that. So it's 218 for men now. And if you can do 223 at Charlotte, then I, boy, I, I'll put my money on you getting 218. Yeah. Well, a, a couple of <laughs> things. One is the first thing is you have to get a good weather day and Chicago is just so oh, unpredictable, yeah. but if you get a good yeah. weather day, first of all, that course is pancake flat. I mean, I took out all the Hills this year and it's still flatter than Charlotte was when I took out all the Hills for the marathon. Right. And then yeah, uh, right. that's a joke. Right. But, um, yep. but the other thing is you're going to have a lot of people to run with, like running oh, yeah. out on your yeah. own. It's just, it's, yeah. it's a tough grind when, you know, when you yeah. turned right on Stonewall and, and all the half marathoners turn left, you're like, yeah, I'm by myself now, you know, you had a lead cyclist, but, um, I, I think it'll be so motivating and you'll have time to yeah. train for that goal of 218. Um, and I hope you get a good coach and he doesn't move to Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> stuff like you know stuff like that works out better for you yeah. this time around I, I i i'll put my money on you too i think you can run sub 218 oh yeah thank you looking looking for chicago for you man that'll be great yeah. that'll be great yeah looking well, thanks for taking time out of your gig yeah, now man. man we know you got a lot of stuff going on but thanks for and, taking the time. and folks can find you at uh one of the local running shops run for your life right you've uh been at the midtown shop for a couple of years now and uh if anybody wants to get a good 
good uh, pair of shoes and have a professional fit. I, I've worked with Adam in the past and will tell you he's probably one of the best shoe fitters in the in the area and takes time and will explain things to you. And he he's, uh, he's one of the best in terms of getting you in the right pair of shoes, um, but also just uh, kind of one of those humble, sincere old souls that you get to know these 26 year old kids as i call them but just just a just a good old soul he's not arrogant he's he's not uh pretentious in any way just uh just a good good young man and and if you want to get a chance to meet him and say hello give him a correct congratulatory slap on the back stop by run for your life midtown or maybe you'll see him on the greenways uh one of the weekends yeah, you can catch him. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Adam. Good luck to you. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, have a good one. Take care. All right, my man. Thanks. The Running Around Charlotte podcast is presented by the Novant Health Charlotte Marathon. One day, five events with a race day distance for every goal and pace. Registration and more information is at runcharlotte.com. This week's episode is brought to you by Pinnacle Financial Partners and Bedgear, the official pillow partner of the Novant Health Charlotte Marathon. Running Around Charlotte is produced in partnership with Well Run Media and Marketing. New episodes are available every week, anywhere you listen to podcasts.